On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to dive into... Hey, we're back, by the way. We haven't been on this show hey, in a while. We're back. Um, we're going to dive into all these rumors that have been bubbling up over the past two weeks since we've disappeared in the world, including Drew Holiday trade rumors, Bradley Beal trade rumors, and a sneaky Warriors-Nets mm, trade what? that could be happening. Like Tim Allen? Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hi. Hello. Hi. Check, check us out. Please check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Hey, you can get in behind the Athletic's paywall. Storm the wall. Whoa. Go to TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. Just a buck a month to start. What amazing deal. Brian, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Ultimately, overall, in the cosmic sense, I'm good, Mike. Um, you're, you're such a huge Nets fan that you're putting your body through the, the many stages of Kevin Durant's injuries. That's exactly, I was, that was my joke. Did I tell you that joke? That was, that, yeah, you did. I'll, I and, stole it. And, <laughs> and also Brooke Lopez's. I did it. I went, I was like, I need to connect to these guys on a deeper level. So I went out and I, and I, you know, I tied one on and then I came home and I took a tumble down my stairs, took a funky step <laughs> and I went and broke my fifth metatarsal on my left foot. The Brooke Lopez injury. I actually called a, a Jones fracture, I learned. Jones. For the guy, the first you guy that did it. Eddie Jones. Yes. Former Lakers guard. That's not true. No, it's just some Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones, you know. Dr. Night, night, Jones. <laughs> yeah, I was um, but yeah, so I'm committed to this team. I'm committed to feel to going through all of the emotions that these guys. No, it just sucks. It's I'm, I've, I was telling Mike before the show that I, um, you know, the first five days, I was like, I'm tough. This is fine. This is great. And uh, and then like it really sits in that you just can't walk for you know three weeks and it's just like this is I'm having my first butthurt day so th- I'm going to bring the butthurt energy to the show more than more than usual today. So I missed the part where you were drunk when you did this. Well, I mean that's how Let's anyone that's how everyone breaks their feet. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's no way to do it if you haven't had a few. You know how many steps did you fall down? Just two. It was just a. Oh it's just a, a yeah. You could pop shove whip. it over it. I could. <laughs> I was just. I. <laughs> I did a. Uh, How brittle are your bones? I know. Jeez, it was just drink one some whole milk. Yes, and it's weird too because I am a pretty you know prolific milk drinker, dairy guy, big <laughs> big dairy guy coming through. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just I stepped on the first one like more than fifty percent of my foot went over or just the right amount and heard a heard a little pop and I was just like. <laughs> Just dove down the rest of them because it was again only two steps, so so really not that far. And uh, yeah, that was all. That was all there was to it. Well, speaking of two steps, the uh, Nets are two stepping nice. their way into the off season, and that we are officially in our season, which is the off season. And we thank you so much for joining us here on the Glue Guys off season report number one of seventy six podcast that yes. we'll probably be doing this off season. And again. If you're interested in Nets trade rumors, Nets trade ideas, free agent signings about the Nets, we're going to be doing it because we did it consistently in the summer. Actually, if you are a real diehard, we have a whole archive of just pods that we did about free agents and trades. Really good stuff. 
But today, there's some news that came to the forefront uh, a little bit ago that is worth discussing. And it comes from Brian Whithorst of ESPN, who stole from Scoop B. Robinson. No, we don't know that. But Scoop B. originated the Drew Holiday idea. Uh, Brian Whithorst on his pod, The Hoop Collective, mentioned that this is this is what he said. I think it's been reported, but if it hasn't, I found out somewhere, and I don't think it was from an executive, maybe it was, that there was some discussion between the Nets and Pelicans in February surrounding Drew Holiday. Um, now, of course, we've been on that Drew Holiday mm. kick for a while. He yes. makes a lot of sense. Scoop B, Scoop B. Robinson support uh, listed Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, John, and Musa, and a protected first-round pick for Drew Holiday. Um, Windhorse speculated any deal for Holiday would begin with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen going to New Orleans. Now, what I will say is this, Brian. We did our whole LeVert line podcast. Right. Where did where did we put Drew Holiday again? He felt like on the line, right? He, he pretty much was the line. That's literally, I think, where we ended up. And if you don't remember the LeVert line, another award winner. It was basically like, who would you trade Karis LeVert for in a package to get Superstar X or Star X? And my general continued thoughts about Drew Holiday is, so I feel like I'm going to love him more if he became a net than I like him now, right? Like, which naturally happens. I, I, But in my mind right now and how well Karis LeVert played in the bubble and how well Karis LeVert played before the season got shut down, I wouldn't want to – I would be wary of trading Drew Holiday – who has one year left on his contract, and then will be you will have to pay him a lot of money to take the place of Karis LeVert if it's not a perfect fit, right? And Drew is basically a perfect fit, but I would rather have Bradley Beal. And if I'm going to use all my explosive gunpowder in a deal to get Drew Holiday, I don't ever get Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's out of the picture. So to me... Yes, I love Drew Holiday. I love him in a vacuum, but I think if I'm keeping the powder dry and I'm not dousing it with gasoline, is that how you fire a gun? Yeah. You you pour gasoline onto gunpowder and then it explodes. <laughs> yep. Put a ball um, put a ball on top of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ball shoots out. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I it's tough. It's like how do we grapple with the fact that we love that 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 Nets fans love Karis Levert so much, but yet if you're really going to be honest with yourself, he has to get traded, right? Like, how do you grapple with that fact? I mean, as a Nets, the fan? second part of that whole conceit, you're going to get a lot of pushback on. People haven't, people haven't come to terms with with that portion of it, um, and rightly so. You know, there is a, a version of it where you don't, you don't have to have to. People don't want to. You don't have to do it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, you know, what it is. It's part of like the vestiges of this whole, this whole journey we have been on. Mike, for so long. It feels so long now. <laughs> and and he is our tether to the past, you know? Truly, like, the... I mean, like, so is Joe Harris and Spencer and, you know, all the guys that kind of came up from nothing with us. Um, but Karis is... Represents, like, I think, the the core of that. I don't know, the crux of that argument, whatever that is. I don't know, something like that. And yeah, uh, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, uh, and it's hard to see that uh, go in a spiritual sense. I, I get it. Um, but at the same time, you know, this goes back to my Mohawk Airline argument that I often bring <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, there's emotional ties we have in life and business and basketball. 
Sometimes if you want to go after American Airlines, you have to break contract with your Mohawk Airlines. Okay, but is Drew Holiday American Airlines? Great question. And and I agree with you in, in that. No, I don't think he is. I think it's like, it's again, it's one of those things kind of going back to what I said at the beginning where it's like, if he's on the nets and I can see it, you begin to fall in love with the player when he's on your team, right? So he, you would see him next to Kyrie Irving. You would see Drew Holiday picking up the best offensive player on the other team. Um, you would see him sort of, he's no, I think he literally won like the locker room award. There's some award in the NBA that goes to the best locker room guy in the NBA, essentially. And Drew Holiday won that award. He's known as like a flawless human being, right? And that matters if you're, if you're clickbait Kyrie and, you know, burner account KD. Here's you a kind of need a flawless human being. <laughs> Here's a question though. Do you actually want to like, <clears throat> let's, Let's like battle that sort of, you know, here's what I'm thinking is maybe there's a potential uh, downside to having like a good versus a bad, <laughs> meaning like you just having a neutral might be, <laughs> might like result in less conflict. And I have no idea if Karis LeVert is a neutral or not. He seems neutral. He could be neutral. I don't know. Yeah, he seems like he seems like a, a force of good. Okay, yeah. so the award is the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award. It's named after Jack Twyman and Maurice Stokes. Okay. Mo, uh, Mo Stokes, if you're nasty. <laughs> okay. Um, here, here, who the past winners are. It's only been given out like eight times. Okay. This is this is a nice list. I I would want to obviously want to be on this list if there are Twyman Stokes Award for podcast hosts. But Brian, you you would not nominate me. I imagine for well, of course I would. What are we talking about? Jeez. Jeez. Look at I you, wanted you to say you that fishing though. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Drew Holiday won it this past season. Mike Connolly the year before, Jamal Crawford, Brooklyn Net-ish at this point, Dirk Nowitzki, who I'm going to be naming as an informal Brooklyn Nets advisor, Vince Carter, former Net, Tim Duncan, of course Tim Duncan, uh, Shane Battier, and then Chauncey Billups. That is, you know, I think any award, if any award is indicative of post-NBA like success, it has to be this award. I mean, Billups is now an assistant coach and was thought to be, you know, possibly leading a team. Shane Battier is an assistant GM for someone. Tim Duncan is an assistant coach. Vince Carter probably could be, but he wants to do TV. Dirk Nowitzki could be. Steve Nash reached out to Nowitzki, but he, you know, wants to continue to drink Pilsners and Stouts. Well, no Stouts, just Pilsners. Um, Jamal Crawford was literally brought in because he's a good person. And, if, you know, Mike Connolly and Drew Holiday are still very active, thriving NBA members. Um, uh, that all goes to say Drew Holiday would be an asset to the team. But I think if it was like if I'm giving up all my assets, if I'm giving up Karis LeVert, Jared Allen and a pick for Drew Holiday, it just feels rich. And I would almost rather just kind of build my team out from you know, the best five to nine players on the roster, like make those better or kind of condense some of my assets and turn them into a better number four or a better number five than I would putting all those guys in one basket and sending them off to the Pelicans. But again, Drew Holiday, you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money and that has to matter. The NBA is not gonna be making money for some time, some some period of time. Um there's a couple of interesting things. So we got a bunch of emails on 
uh, recently. And let's dive right yeah. into the mailbag, Brian. Okay, let's not hesitate. Let's go. Let's go, go, go. Um, this one is from Helm Susan. So the subject line just says, hi, and the email says, hi. That's all it says. That's a great email. That's That was spam. That was a spam email. Um, should I should have gotten to that one? Here's a real one from Cheerboy <laughs> Robbie Rose. I just knew that I was going to do that. I didn't. Don't worry. Um, Robbie Rose on the Mount Rushmore of the email sphere, as we often talk about. Good to hear from you, yes. Robbie. Good to be with you. Um, <clears throat> it's a long, it's a long one, but he wants to talk about. Uh, I'll just read this sort of like the beginning of it. It's amazing that the media had such a harsh reaction to Kyrie's comment on the. Etc. Is that how we're doing it? Or we're going ETCS, the etc. Uh, et with, with Katie podcast. I would workshop that. Honestly, just, you know, we're a couple of guys in the biz. Marketing, marketing, marketing. I would workshop that a little bit. Can I say that? Is that fair? The, the name of the podcast? The name of the podcast? It, it's one of those names of the podcast where it was like someone was probably high and was like, <laughs> Whoa, how, how great. How, why was that? Shots? And, you know, it's legal <laughs> in many states to get high. Fair. Um. But it's it was like it's like it sounds like a good idea. The etceteras. It'd be like a band and a name I would have called a band if I was a fourteen year old in, in love with newfound glory. Wow. But it's not SEO friendly. It's not SEO. So that's mostly what I'm getting at. And that, not to say that we you know struck gold at the glue guys. No, that's, we fucked up. <laughs> we, we did. We, <laughs> we we we. It's like we discovered beaches. Yeah. Right. Like we discovered beachfront property, and we're like, but we want to be back. A hundred yards. Yeah. Like we we would be back a thousand yards from the beach. We should have just been the Brooklyn Nets podcast, like when uh, we started eight years ago, yeah. and we would be feasting on that. I SEO mean, think about right what now. I mean. You also like we could have gone and rights who? to Ricky Sanchez style, and we we also fucked that up because like <laughs> there's nothing about our title that indicates that we know anything about the Nets in particular. Anyways, bad title. So we, what are we talking about? Rights to rights to Reggie Evans could <laughs> right. have been. <laughs> right. But we should have. And, and we're sitting here with the glue guys. And what's I would guess glue is one of the like one of the least Googled words besides how do I get glue off of yeah, something, right. right? So we we went anti SEO, which yeah. which would also be a good name for a podcast, anti SEO, anti SEO, good one, smart. Um, anyways, to Thank pick you. to pick up where we left off with Robbie, um, <clears throat> he goes on to say, Kyrie said that he always thought of themselves as the number one option for the final sh- shot in a close game. But now he thinks KD can be that option too. What type? What type of person would hear that and think headline? Headline? Um, where I'm sitting across from one, digitally sitting across from one. Mike thinks of headlines. It's pretty amazing. It's incredible. Um, did you predict? Did you predict any of those headlines though? Like there was quite a few from that. Yeah, literally the entire conversation was like was shots fired at like the rest of the world the whole time. I loved the conversation wow. and it was great. And you. So we can address that, but keep going with Robbie. Um, so let's we can just do that one. I mean, there's more. And thank you so much, Robbie. I read it, enjoyed it. You know, as I always do, and big shout out. Um, but yeah. So anyways, basically, his this, the thesis is that the modi- the media can be exhausting. I'm glad you two are still making such awesome episodes. Thanks, Robbie. <laughs> Had to get that in there. Um, we are now making them again. So um, yeah, Mike. Uh, did you did you think? Well, let's look at that one, and then also the one about. Um, there being the head coach that Kyrie is going to be the head coach next season. That, that headline was my favorite. Yeah. So that it is all um, extremely interesting. I think when you listen to the Kyrie interview with Kevin Durant, like we've said this before, like he is very likable while you're listening to him. Like 
so, and I think it is important if you want to have a fuller appreciation of who's playing on your basketball team, that you do listen to that interview because you're going to understand who Kyrie is as a person more than if you did read hashtag headlines headlines. But I mean, at times Kyrie, though you, you hate the clickbait culture, you do say things that would lead others to believe that you're thinking a certain way about it. You're an honest person. And he honestly doesn't think that Steve Nash has to be like Phil Jackson. Right. And maybe that's not a bad thing, but he's literally saying Steve Nash won't be like the fulcrum of our thought process that that I am going to be. And Kevin Durant is going to be. I don't hate it. I'm just saying like that is what you said. And the 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 LeBron quote, I actually totally agree with Kyrie. Le, LeBron is sort of I mean, we saw it in the finals. He's famous for not wanting to take that shot. And I supported LeBron. When he passed the ball to Danny Green in the finals and Danny Green missed. And I support Danny Green for it's okay that he missed the shot. Danny Green's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. He missed the shot. No big deal. What I actually love about LeBron is that he will make that pass. Kind of a little bit of what Kyrie's issue is, is that he, not necessarily me first, but he he does try to put it all on his shoulders at certain times of the game. When he think he thinks less like a point guard and more like a scorer, it's almost like I actually Kyrie. I kind of wish you you thought a little bit more about getting a guy an open look in the final moments of a game than you know than you do. Like again, in the one of the biggest moments in NBA history when it was Kyrie and LeBron on the same team, LeBron literally said Kyrie should be taking the shot, and he did, and Kyrie hit the shot. Okay, so against the Warriors, obviously. So there's evidence to support that Kyrie is right about that, that LeBron, the best player of his generation, said to him, you should take the shot. Uh, LeBron famously, at times, defers at in big moments of the game. Doesn't mean that he hasn't been hit big shots before, but he does defer, and I think that's an asset. And I think Kyrie probably, and he will because he has KD, defer to KD in these moments. Like, Durant is the greatest scorer probably of all time. So what Spencer Dinwiddie would tell you. So he should be taking these shots at the end of the games. Not not your boy, Kyrie Irving. Though Kyrie deserves I mean he deserves to take the shots too. Right? I also think I'm that def- like the I'm a defender and a criticizer. Yeah, no, I get it. And and as we all are, right? Um yeah. I also think that like just like the fascination with like your best player taking the last shot is such a weird I don't I mean it's not weird it's not weird. It's super understandable. But like I don't know. It seems seems like one of those things that you just like defer to and you don't really think about it all the way, but like it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Like the best player always has to take the last shot. I don't know. Just a thought. Just a, I'm kind of reminded, weirdly, I'm reminded of um, Flavor of Love, the TV show from from the early aughts, Mike, where Flavor Flav was um, doing a dating challenge. And I remember one scene where they get stuck. It's toward the very end. Him and, <clears throat> him and uh, he's dating two girls and uh, they're having an argument at dinner about, you know, when they're you know, domestically cohabitating in the future, you know, hi- hypothetically, who would eat first? And Flavor Flav, was, he's like, well, I'm eating first. And New York, his date is like, she's like, well, I'll, I eat first in my house. And they're going back and forth. This is like, don't you guys always eat at the same time? Aren't you, don't you just always, <laughs> <laughs> when you sit down, you make a point of like taking turns for who's eating. 
I don't know why I'm reminded of that, but it's coming to, it's just like, you know, it's a win's a win, right? There's like, who's, who's eating first? We're all eating. We're all eating. You gotta literally let's all eat. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That was abstract. I'm, I'm on uh, medication for my foot. Uh, I do think you are right though, that, so like there's a class of really, really great players that shouldn't be taking the last shot, right? Like Rudy Gobert, great player, shouldn't be taking the last shot. Like just because Kyrie Irving can do it. And I think he should right? a lot of the time. Um, doesn't mean that you always should there's you're not the best person in each situation to get a shot. It's very like it's a very strange view of basketball. We want basketball to be free flowing and egalitarian. Yeah. But yet at that last minute we want it to be a a dictatorship. I mean, if the play falls apart and some like, you know, random guy who's not supposed to be shooting is shooting, then okay, you screwed up. That was not that was not optimized. But if it's, you know, Danny Green shooting a three, a thing Danny Green does, it's not crazy. Anyways. Um next up is Cherboy. And by the way, thank you everyone. Who emailed at uh, netspot at gmail.com. Austin Sternlicht. Stern, Sternlicht. uh, Says, hey, guys. (laughs) That was was like, uh, who was the original? Sean Connery saying in a German accent. There was some like Scottish Mm. that you had rocking in that German accent. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome for that. Um, What are some things the Nets need to do to avoid being last year's Clippers? I'll start. No tacky marketing campaigns about taking over the city. Much love, Austin. Much love back to you, Austin. Um, so he's pointing to the marketing campaign as uh, one of the, the core issues that things went wrong with with the Clippers last year. Do you agree or disagree with that take? That Wait, sorry, one more time. Yeah, sorry. It's that the tacky marketing campaigns was at the crux of the issue there with, with the Clippers this past year. So what was the, I, I don't, don't even, wanna, what is the taking over the city stuff? I forget. What give me run the, it back for me. The, the Clippers like it just trying to become LA. Was it like a, it was the blueprint like the uh, whatever the J I mean, they, the Jay Z plus Mikhail Prokhorov blueprint kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's I mean it's what you do if you're the little brother. Is that I mean the Nets do it. Uh, the Nets did do it, of course, as you said. It's like okay. So I what I could say, Brian, is that that marketing campaign showed an organizational flaw that they weren't really truly focused on the things that they should be focused on. They're only focused on the Lakers when they should be focused on the rest of the league. Even their marketing staff, the the trickle-down effect of that belief infected their marketing staff. And by that trickle-down effect, it also probably infected their locker room. And they only thought about the Lakers and they didn't really consider that, hey, maybe they should beat the Denver Nuggets, Right. But I think if we're really truly saying what are the th- what is the thing the Nets need to avoid to avoid being last year's Clippers, it's it it is to make a trade to get rid of some players, and I think the biggest flaw in the Clippers is that they had too many people from the old regime, meaning the pre Kawhi PG regime, and they had guys like Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams who wanted the ball and are up for big contracts and were integral parts to that plucky Clippers team from two seasons ago and then were asked to be put back into sort of more role-player roles when Kawhi and PG came. It's the same thing that happened when Kyrie was hurt for that first season in Boston and then Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, all those guards, the young wings – all played really well in the playoffs. And then when Kyrie came back in the picture, they were all told, hey, guys, you're not going to have the ball as much. Do less. P- 
play more efficient with a smaller meal share, going back to our dinner share, right? Here's a smaller plate. Here's less food. But you should be as satisfied as you are before. The Nets have a potentially sticky situation where, you know, Dinwiddie and Karras led the team for pretty much, the you know, for most of the year, various injuries and COVID-related dropouts, and Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. But Dinwiddie and Karras led the team. Are they truly going to be happy if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving fully take over usage and they dominate the ball as much as they should? Now, Spencer has said that, like, he's going to be the Draymond Green of the team uh, and that he's, like, ready to roll. I kind of doubt that. Um, and I and the other question. <laughs> Wait, what do you doubt about that? I mean, in like, he's talking about being adaptable. That's that's not that he's, like, going to be a center, like a center. undersized <laughs> center. <laughs> Is that what yeah, you thought? No. That's what you thought he meant? No, no, no. But I find it hard. It would it would go against pretty much all human nature for Spencer to be that willing to adapt his game to fit in with these stars. Oh, come on. You've seen it before. And if anyone can do it, it's Spencer. Spencer's extremely adaptable, and he's a very smart person, and he knows that if he adapts his game and becomes a, a role player, player extraordinaire, that he's going to benefit from that if the team wins a championship, right? And, you know, then he's like a main player on that team. Just look at what happens with all the Lakers. Like, Lakers won a championship. Rondo's then being brought up as like, is he a Hall of Fame candidate in some mm, way? Mm-hmm. He's not. But like, you know, every time a team wins a championship, the role players do get a lot of publicity. And Spencer could benefit from that. But that guy was 25 and 5 last year. It's a lot to ask him then not to be even the main ball handler, maybe not even the second unit, because Karras is probably still going to be on the court. And the team's probably going to still want Karras Levert to be the guy controlling the ball for most of the time. So it's like, my fear. Mm. If we're doing the Clippers fear index is that the Nets still have too many guys that got had too much usage last year that are now going to be asked to have that cut in half or even a third. You know, it's like that is the also why you maybe advocate for like trading Dinwiddie and Levert to get another person in and then having all that team gel together. Listen to this guy. Are you fearing everyone will be like the Clippers? (laughs) Um, Am I fearing it? No, I'm. I mean, the like again. This is how things get so obscured. Like the Clippers had a great season, and um, I guess like sort of pooped, pooped their big boy pants at, at some point. Um, but but it wasn't like a just net like disastrous season. Like it, it it fell off a cliff and that was bad or whatever. But like I am looking forward to playing super competitive basketball at a at the highest level next year. Like that's just it. That doesn't like I hope for the best. I you know I understand that there is a strong chance we're not going to win a championship. Um, and that's okay, Mike. That's okay. You don't like, we have this sort of thing, like anything that isn't a championship is like a, a cataclysm. It's a giant failure. And it really just, it really just isn't. I'm trying to, you know, I'm here, I'm stuck in my chair. You know, things are moving slower for me these days, Mike. I just have this, <laughs> have this 360 degree. Oh, what are you looking at? Oh gosh. Did you get a notification? No, no, it's just big news. Amazon. Breaking news. I thought it was going to be something juicy, but ah, rats. <laughs> rats. Anyways, I was just self-aggrandizing here <laughs> about having a broken foot. Um, Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Next up, Cherboy, Sir Joshua Williams. Not Sir. Someday. Could be. Um, Billy Reinhardt on Twitter showed a very interesting trade. Here we go. This is a big one. Nets get Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday, Robert Covington. Records get Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. Pelicans get Karis Levert, Zanon Musa, Rodions. Nets 2021 via 76ers. Nets 2023 first. Thoughts? Um, wait, so hold up. What are the Rockets giving away here? The Rockets are giving away Robert Covington and Eric Gordon. That's a lot. They're getting a lot of juicy stuff back. Well, they're getting Dinwiddie, Prince, and Jared Allen. So they're getting oh, back wait, a sorry. center. I'm all over the place. The Pelicans are yeah. getting a lot of stuff. The, here. the yeah. Pelicans are getting a lot to just get give up Drew Holiday. So here's what I would say initially. So obviously no one can actually see this trade, but I'm sure you can go on Billy's Twitter to check it out. Um, essentially what the Nets are giving up, they're getting a bunch of stuff, but the Pelicans are only giving up Drew Holiday and they're getting Lavert and two firsts and then Musa and Karuks. So who cares? So, Brian, let me ask you, would you give up Levert and two first for just Drew Holiday? So the point is, is like, do does the Drew Holiday thing get better with you if you adorn more goodies on there, like Robert Covington and Eric Gordon? Um, and in, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> My feeling is no. Like I, I, giving up our, that entire like sort of young trio um, doesn't like. I understand we're in this weird situation where like the market for them is a little bit juicier than possible return on the court just because of there's the redundancy that we talked about. Um, that said, we do, it's what we keep going into. We got the one shot, you know, one shot, Mike. And this is really it. You're, you're giving away all of the one shot for that, like sort of one B tier kind of star and um, some very notable role players that have been doing Exactly what we do at the highest level for a long time. Um, well, I mean, not the highest level for Covington, but Eric Gordon has. Um, and so, they're like on paper, that's a good fit. But I don't know. It just feels like feels like we got this one shot, Mike. We got this one shot. Yeah. And and I think my thing about it. So, do you really want Eric Gordon's not making? I guess that much money, seventeen million over four years, like you know, per year over four years. Robert Covington's making twelve million dollars for the next two years, you know, per year. Um, and and so then your starting lineup is Kyrie, Eric Gordon, KD, Drew Holiday, and well, you'd probably take out Eric Gordon. You probably put Robert Covington in, and it'd be DeAndre Jordan. I mean, I think let's bring some real knowledge to this trade discussion. Raphael Stone, the new head basketball mind in Houston, who took over for Daryl Morey, apparently was one of the big proponents of going super small ball. So. You, the Rockets aren't don't really probably care all that much about getting Jared Allen. Uh, Torian Prince is a negative asset. So really what they're getting is they're getting Spencer Dinwiddie for Eric Gordon and Robert Covington. So they get salary cap relief, which probably does matter a lot because Tillman for Tina, Tita's businesses, uh, which are restaurants and you know anything where people have to be inside, are going down the tank at the moment. So I imagine shaving money would be good. I just don't want a bunch of junk. Uh, not that Drew Holiday and Eric Gordon and Robert Covington are a bunch of junk. 
Like, I'd rather have, like, a select role player that doesn't cost all that much that maybe just costs the one first-round pick. And then I'd rather save everything I got for a big trade than make a trade where I'm, like, getting, like, just, like, like Eric Gordon and Drew Holiday and Robert Cummings. That's a lot of good players, but it's a that's a lot of incorporation for Steve Nash, who is going to have to figure out how to juggle all those pieces together on this roster. We're, like, at least we have the institutional knowledge of what Karis LeVert is and what Spencer Dinwiddie is and what how they play with Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Like, we, we did see Kyrie play basketball this year. It existed. Uh, it just was infrequent. Can I also say a little bit about Robert Covington is that, you know, <clears throat> I think he's uh, – so I was early on the Robert Covington train. Let me just say that. Let me put a feather in my own cap here uh, just for fantasy purposes because, you know, in the – in the fantasy money ball world, you want steals and threes and anyone that can do both those things, super highly rated. But here's the thing, that three-point percentage for him has been sort of all over the map on a yearly basis in the last three years, not above average. So uh, for people that take as many threes as he does. So uh, there is diminishing returns there too that we should start thinking about for, for old Bob. Not to not to hate, but you know, just something, just something worth saying, I think. Um, yeah, and, I, and like Spencer Dinwiddie with – why would they want Dinwiddie with Russell Westbrook and James Harden? Um, Torian Prince probably does have some value for the Rockets because of the way they play. But like let's just put this in the ain't happening tra- uh, bucket. But I like the ideas. Mm. Thank you very much. Next up, Cheerboy, Eddie, America, Mensa. That's the guy's name on his on his uh, email account. Um, <clears throat> what's the best stretch five option we can come up with? Come up with off this offseason. Aaron Baines, Miles Turner, Miles Leonard, or maybe Nick Claxton. <laughs> and the best 3 and D guy. Mm-hmm. Jeff Green, Morris Twins, Jim Michael Green, etc. Um we have this goes back to, you know, I hate to just link you back to our extremely robust <laughs> <laughs> stuff from like March. Um, we did what was it, six episodes just about this kind of stuff. Um I don't even remember what we said. Well, who did we say? For we probably had a bunch of answers for this back then. Feels like another Back then, ago, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is this obsession to get a stretch five, which I get because if you have a stretch five with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, and any other guard who can mildly shoot, whether it's Dinwiddie or someone else, that's like the most dynamic three-point shooting lineup of all time. You know who our stretch five is, Brian? It is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the Nets stretch five because they're going to play lineups knowing who Steve Nash is and where he came from out of that Sun system. And the fact that I've heard Steve Nash multiple times saying his biggest regret of the Suns era, besides, you know, getting knocked out of that game and then all the teammates run off the bench and all that stuff, is that he didn't shoot enough threes. So I think he's going to bring that three-point shooting mindset to Brooklyn, which is already embedded in the culture. Durant is going to play five. And it's only maybe going to be for two-minute stretches, like at the end of the games. He's going to be the crunch time five, though. They're going to take DeAndre off the floor because... While his three free throw shooting has improved, like you don't really need him. Jared Allen, defensive replacement, whatever. Great. I think they're going to trade Jared Allen. Um, I like Miles Turner. Like, so the names on here is Miles Turner, Aaron Baines, Miles My- Leonard, maybe Nick Claxton, like you said. Aaron Baines would be super great, but then you're then you have three pretty beefy centers who are all used to playing at least 20 to 30 minutes a game. I think the only way you sign like a real stretch five, we're talking about real ones or trading for one, is if you give up Jared Allen in a trade. Maybe they do that. You know, maybe the Nets do trade Jared Allen, like I'm saying. But I think 
our stretch five is Kevin Durant. He's the stretch five. He played five in Golden State at times. He would have played five in, in Oklahoma City if uh, Scott Brooks was flexible with his lineups. Uh, gotcha, yeah. Eddie. Trick question. Trick B- question. BTFO'd. Um, and also the three and D. Oh, we had a whole thing on three and D, and I can't. I'm like, my brain is so roasted. I don't know. Who well, to, yeah. well, I'll do that. So Bill Simmons had Zach Lowe, or Zach Lowe was on, or Bill Simmons was on Zach Lowe's podcast. And we've talked about this before because literally I said the exact trade here. But I'll, I'll rephrase it again because then Bill Simmons stole it from us like he uh, tends to do. You know, it just happens all the time. Um, Pat Bev for Dinwiddie. That's kind of your 3 and D guy if you make that trade. I don't hate the trade. Um, you know, I brought – I literally, again, brought it up before on this podcast. Uh, I just think that you're selling low on Dinwiddie if all you're getting is Pat Beverly. Like, I think you need a little bit more juice. And maybe it's Landry Shamit, and we've talked about that too. But I think you need more than just Pat Bev for Spencer mm. Dinwiddie. How's that? How's that for Eddie? Um, thank you again, again, Eddie and everybody else. Thank you so much for the emails. Oh, Moving right so along, great. Cheer Boy Jay Cruz says, "I know that's not. I know that it's not probable. But what would Katie have to do in order to be considered in the goat conversation?" What do you say, Bri? Oh boy, the old go- the old goat conversation. Well, if the goat conversation had like any actual quantifiable measures, to, I mean, it's it's a it's a flawed conversation, Jakers. Let me just say that. So you're already getting yourself into a world of hurt um, with this goat nonsense. That being said, it, it, a lot would have to happen in terms of just like you know the stupid thing that don't, anyone only cares about, which is winning championships in the goat conversation. Um, so that, that's the first thing that's step number one, um, is winning like, you know, at least four more championships. Um, well, how many do you need to be part of the goat conversation? Is Kobe in the goat conversation is no, he's not. I know it's really just Michael Jordan and LeBron. No, it's just, it's just, it's just Jordan LeBron and look, Durant would have to win three straight. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Yep. With this team, because this is a good win. Yeah. He's not going to win. You know, he's not going to win four over the rest of his career, just considering that he's 31 now or however old he is. He's had injuries and like, you know, he's not going to have the LeBron. I play until my 40 kind of career. I don't think so. Right. Like, even if he plays till he's 40, I don't. He's just a different athlete than LeBron. Well, he's, he's LeBron already said still he like, wanted to uh, retire at 35. That's part of Durant his whole said deal. that. Yeah. Yeah. So he <laughs> Durant basically needs to win the next three championships. And then, even then, he's not going to, he may not be the GOAT. Because (laughs) Jordan people are still going to say Jordan did that twice. And LeBron people are going to say, well, LeBron went to 14 NBA finals. So Durant, Durant's Golden State Warriors championships are invalid. And his ones in Brooklyn are invalid because, you know, the Nets drafted Jalen Smith in the first round, who ended up being the next great NBA player. And move on from there. Well, here's the thing, too, J. Cruz. And, you know, you may not be able to, you know, feel this or know this quite yet, but I think there is some solace in knowing that you can go to sleep tonight, knowing you won't ever have to have a whole bunch of stupid Twitter conversations about whether your boy Kevin Durant is the GOAT. You know, you can just avoid that entire time sink altogether because it's probably (laughs) probably not worth your time to defend Kevin Durant in that way unless a few things break very much right. Um, 
<clears throat> and just know in your heart that like Kevin Durant's like one of the best players that ever played basketball. It's great. You know, it's just a quiet and feeling he's of knowing. Wear a Nets uniform. Yeah, just a quiet knowing feeling. Um, Mike, that is the ones that I plucked. There may be others out there. Cheer boys, I'm sorry that we didn't get to you. Love you. We'll do the. We'll do more of this because there is going to be some time in in between um, the next. The next time a thing, a newsworthy thing happens, Mike, might be a couple weeks from now. So, so we can have some emails in the in the meantime. So, I have one last trade thing for you, and then we'll get what? out of here. Oh, okay. So, on the Athletic, there's a great story called the NBA Agent Survey, and it's really great. It's you know NBA agents anonymously answering about different topics, and one topic was had to do with the Warriors' number two overall pick. There's a belief in the NBA that the Warriors likely want to trade that pick so that they can continue to be a championship contender because whoever they pick at number two isn't going to be any good for a couple of years, right? One of the agents had an idea, number two overall for Jared Allen. Now, I would imagine the Nets would have to give up more. Like the Nets would probably have to put nine, they would put at least 19 overall in the trade. Well, Jared Allen and something else. Let me ask right? you this, just as we're building the premise for this whole question. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Just do you think that just because of how weird this whole season has been, especially at the collegiate level and all that, um, <clears throat> that that has affected the value of those picks pretty negatively? Like, and if so, how much? I think it's because the, the players at the top of the draft just aren't that interesting. Yeah. But also, right? but there isn't like a better pool of knowledge about, I don't know, doesn't it? Anyway, maybe I'm over reading into well, it. I mean, I think if this draft was like the LeBron draft, we we would just be the, yeah. the picks would be so valuable, right? right? Zion like, Zion would still go number one. Yeah, Lamelo he played in in Australia and like wasn't even that great, and he may go number one. Anthony Edwards played at Georgia. He played enough. I mean, they played enough games. You know, they were almost at March Madness. It was championship weekend for the conference championships when the season got shut down. So we had like a full college basketball season. Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Not not intriguing, super inefficient. James Wiseman played three games or whatever it was. I just think that this draft is like I kind of love it from the Nets perspective because there's a lot of three and D wing types that are in this draft. A lot of guys who can maybe play a little a few minutes for the Nets this season more so than like Nick Claxton played, you know, but they're still rookies. Anyways, the the trade idea this wasn't like reported, right? Like this wasn't like this agent heard the Nets are talking to the Warriors about this, but he brought it up as an idea. And I do think it's interesting from this one aspect where it's like, can the net, the Nets do 19 Jared Allen, and then maybe like a future first round pick for two to then put the number two overall pick in a trade for Bradley Beal, right? Like if I'm the wizards, Obviously, the Warriors could try to go to the Wizards themselves and say, here's number two, and here's our next four first-round picks. Give us Bradley Beal. That's possible. But it's also, if you're the Nets, and Bradley Beal says, I only want to go to the the Nets because I love Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving so much. So if you're in that case and you're Sean Marks, the thing the Wizards are going to say to you is, like, we like Karis LeVert and we like Spencer Dinwiddie, but really you're not giving us another big draft asset. Well, if the if the Nets or the the Nets could figure out a way to spin Jared Allen and a couple of other things into number two, and then you take number two with Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and you go to the Wizards and say, "Here's our bundle. You can have another first round pick and a, a pick swap in whatever." Then you maybe get Bradley Beal. So 
Cool. That's how you get Bradley Beal. That's the end of the pod. Um, <clears throat> Mike, this was a great pod. Thanks. Ugh, so much talking. We um, we should do this again more often. Yeah, maybe next month. <laughs> no, we did. It was a good break. It was a good break. I had to. I had to make some time to break my foot and be butthurt about it. And you had to have <sighs> five other kids or something. So we did. We talk about that. Mike's got five kids now. What's that? That you have so many kids. Yeah, I've just been scooping them up. Ah. Scooping them off. Just <laughs> I just, just pluck, wait, plucking what? them off the street. Yikes, uh, Mike! Jesus, somebody get out there. Um, we might take this out. Who knows? Soon my name will be trending like Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my lord! I'm excited for that Borat movie, huh? Should be good. Yeah, could be good. Uh, thank you all for listening. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Next episode, we'll probably talk a little bit about Joe Harris's sitch. Oh, how he may get 15 million dollars a year, which is actually exactly what Brian and I predicted on the previous pod. Hmm. Um, Funny how that keeps happening. Weird. Weird that that, that's always the case. Hey, thanks, Brian. Uh, No, Mike, thank you. (laughs) Damn it. Bye.